0: Welcome to episode number one of Metascam. We are a podcast dissecting scams, one fraudster at a time.
1: And now, from the excellence in podcast studios, it's time for another episode of Metascam.
0: We're breaking down scammers' approaches, their tricks, and the misdirections, and other tools they use, and we present you with our direct analysis, this is Andy
1: and this is Peter coming up on episode number one of Metascam we will first talk a little bit about ourselves we will then go on to talk about the basics of money order scams and then we'll go on to skimming fraud and how it is coming to your front door the
0: information presented in this show is based on personal opinion and should be taken as such consult your personal attorney before making any financial decision And hey, if you guys like to get in touch with us here at Metascam, it's pretty easy to do. You can send us an email over at hello at Metascam.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Metascam Show. So here you are, you're listening to us, a podcast about fraud, scams, risk management, and cybersecurity. And in the interest of total transparency, we're going to tell you who we are. My name is Andy. I've got about 25 years in the IT industry. From networking to programming to electronic funds transfer, I have managed the IT departments for large government defense contractors, provided professional services for a number of companies, and nowadays I find myself working as a personal IT consultant for C-level individuals. And the brains behind all of what we're doing here at Metascam is my good friend Peter So Peter, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Why, Andy, I'm a little bit more mature than you, meaning that I have a few more gray hairs. I have uh, (laughs) 30 plus years of experience in several areas, but most of it encompassing asset protection, I worked for many years as a private banker for high net worth clients in Miami. Most of the clients in Latin America, traveled a lot Latin America and even relocated, lived overseas for extended periods of time. Eventually made my way into the Central Intelligence Agency where I was a senior operations officer there. And eventually after I left federal service, became a director for business intelligence for strategic risk management here in Orlando. In addition to that, I'm an adjunct professor at Webster University in the Masters of Cybersecurity program. I'm a certified fraud examiner, a certified protection professional, and I have a passion for all things being social engineering.
0: All right, I'm going to you know, jump in on a key word there uh, outside of that impressive uh, resume there, my friend. Social engineering, how does that relate to scams these days?
1: Well, very closely related. First of all, a lot of people, when they think of social engineering, they think exclusively cyber security. It does have a direct implication in cyber security, but social engineering has been around well before Al Gore created the internet. (laughs) It really has. And actually, what a social engineer does is practices the art of manipulation, being able to leverage vulnerabilities and motivations of human beings to get them to do something that might not be in their interest, but it definitely meets the objectives of the social engineer. So it's the same thing with a scammer or a confidence man or confidence scam. Or we, we call them con men. So it all comes down to the same thing. They will prey upon the victim's vulnerabilities and motivations. We typically think of vulnerabilities as some things that make us weak most significant vulnerability in that regard is an t- individual's uh, ability to trust or tendency to trust others. In our society, we tend to trust much more than distrust. I, When I grew up, I was taught trust everyone until they give you a reason not to trust them. And I had learned a lot of uh, hard lessons in life, especially when I've moved overseas for the first time. I won't mention the country where I moved to, but when I got there, I had this tendency to trust everybody, and I got burned so many times, and it came down to eventually realizing that in that particular culture, you trust only those who are close family members and or people that went to school with you from nursery school on the way up. Everybody else was the rest of society, and you don't trust them, and or you take advantage of them. So uh, what I typically do, my model is always verify before you trust
0: so that's like the, the inverse of Reagan's popular trust, but verify. You verify then
1: trust. I like this. So that's part of the vulnerabilities that a scammer will take advantage of an individual's natural tendency to trust things that are put before them. The other thing a scammer will try to leverage is going to be a motivation. Okay. And motivations, we have a lot of different types of motivations. Uh, Andy, I'm sure you, you're motivated. What are some of the motivations that maybe pop in your mind?
0: Oh, I'm going to go with uh, a really easy one, money. I want to, you know, everybody
1: wants to make a little bit of money on the side somewhere. Absolutely. So it, it might be you think, well, I want a new house or I want a nicer car or I want to be able to go take a vacation to Tahiti. But money is the money is the objective that will help you obtain those type of goals. So the scammer will take advantage of the motivations that people are looking for in particularly money.
0: Okay. Well, money being a huge one, like you just said, there is a current scam going around. It's been around for a while, and that is the money order scam. And that's where, through whatever means, and it's always very creative means, you'll have somebody who is selling something, someone who's buying something, and that buyer is going to issue somebody a fraudulent money order. And then the person who receives that check or that money order takes it to the bank, deposits, deposits it into their bank, completes a transaction, thinks thinks everything's great, thinks everything's fine. A couple days later, up to a week, sometimes up to two, depending on the financial institution, that money order comes in as a fraudulent money order as a counterfeit. There is no money that is being drawn on. So it bounces and the person who deposited that check is now on the hook for whatever that check was. So there's some examples of these, Peter, that I've seen. Uh, Can you go down some of the examples that we've got here?
1: Well, actually, one of them is the excess scam. One one really good example of that is the mystery shopper. And I'm sure a lot of the audience has heard about mystery shopping. If you were to look in any publication, any news magazine, uh, or newspaper. There's a section where job opportunities, and a lot of times you'll see mystery shopper. Now, it does not mean that all mystery shoppers, uh, these, these ads are scams. No, no, no. There are some very legitimate ones, but, uh, buyer beware because there are many of them that are uh, scams. My wife actually, about four years ago, she was looking for some outside employment opportunities and, and, uh, she Thought going shopping would be cool, and who doesn't like to spend a few hours in a, in a mall and give, be given money to actually go and buy things and, and fill out a survey about what the experience is like? So she sent in actually a query, they had her fill out a small bio, basically a resume. And when she sent that in, they immediately sent a letter to her congratulating her for being selected in their Mr. Shopping program, told her that she would be given a number of assignments. And they actually levered, laid out a first assignment for her, and it included a nice check of about $5,000. What they said is this will be in compensation. Part of it is in compensation for the first uh, assignment maybe about $1100 was for the first assignment the rest of the money she needed to forward on immediately via a wire transfer to another account it didn't really go into a great explanation about why she needed to forward this money but they just said that she needed to forward it and then she could keep $1100 for her own so it sounded very attractive when i saw that i said no way no even way. though the check <laughs> the check looked completely legit it looked professionally made Uh, that doesn't mean anything. So I said, just put that check to the side. Do not act upon it. But unfortunately, a lot of people think, whoa, $1,100 for not really having to do very much. This is pretty easy money. And all I got to do is forward this money on and and complete this assignment. This is pretty neat. Let me give it a try. And then later on, they find out, whoa, they've uh, already used some of that money that they thought was good and $1,100. And they also forwarded you know, maybe another 4000 onward, and then all of a sudden your bank comes back to them and say, listen, this check bounced. You have to refund us the entire amount. So that can be a considerable amount of money that they're out of. See, I like what you did there because you combined pretty much all the variations
0: of the scams that are out there for this money fraud or this money uh, money order scam, where they give you the excess amount, but they also have you act as a payment processor. And they say, hey, we need you to forward on the excess because if not, like this bank's gonna charge us some fees. We're trying to limit, you know, eliminate those fees. That way we can pass on the savings to you guys. And as a new employee, you already said it, we trust, but we also as a new employee doesn't we want to make a good impression. So we wanna be, you know, we wanna be trustworthy. We wanna be you know, this is a great gig. You're gonna pay us dollars to do this. I'll forward on the excess. Absolutely. And like you said, then the bank comes back for the entire five grand. And now you're on the hook for five grand.
1: Yeah, and the scammers don't uh, necessarily—they're not counting on everybody to do this. If even five percent of the individuals that make the queries with expressing interest in mystery shopping—if only five percent of them actually go forward and deposit that check—that's still a great success rate for the scammer. What another variation of this? Instead of going out and being a mystery shopper in a store like Walmart or Kmart or some other store, they might ask you to go directly to. Western Union because they are testing the services the quality of West, of Western Union and so yeah let's say for example they give you $5000 check uh, we will let you retain uh, 900 or 1000 and forward the the $4000 immediately and that is the, actually the survey that you're conducting the services of Western Union you forward on those 4000 you complete a survey you send that survey back to the scammer their, your client and then later on you find out that that transfer that transfer uh that check you deposited was was not good. So it's yeah, another it variation. Bogus. Yeah,
0: and and that's a, the crazy thing about this is the scammers are all very, very uh crafty, very artistic when it comes to, to these methods that they use. Because as soon as one is well known and by most people, it's kind of it it doesn't get used anymore. They have to come up with a
1: variant of it. Well, oh, another variant is uh, these these purchase scams where let's say you are selling items. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a company that you have. Maybe you have a small business and you're sell, selling items out of your house, out of your garage. And so it's an Internet-based business. And the scammer will send in a, a check to make a purchase of items from your 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 site. You think, well, I got a check here. Great, I will deposit the check, and I'm going to send out those items to the scammer. So you're sending out the items to the scammer, and several days later, four, uh, six days later, ten days later, you find out, oh, that check bounced. So you've already uh, sent sent the the items to the scammer, and you're out you're out that money.
0: Got that money. You're out the item too. And the issue there is we all want to make a good impression on our business and we want that rating. So if we're selling on, for instance, Amazon, we want that good feedback. So if we don't ship something out soon enough, someone will say, hey, I had a horrible experience with this person. And now our ratings go down. And once the ratings go down, we don't have an Amazon business anymore. So we want to make sure that whatever site we're selling on, we do a good job. And then we get stuck in a situation where, where someone sends us a bad check. Absolutely. Now here the issue is, once the bank comes back for that money, if you don't have it,
1: you're in a world of hurt. Right, because the there's no recourse. Absolutely. I mean, it's not like you're using a credit card and you make a purchase and you find out that you've been scammed where uh, or someone takes advantage and they actually mischarge your credit card where you, you can bring it to the attention of a credit card company. And most of the times you can get a refund of your money with the check. Uh, it's basically like a debit card. When that money is gone, it's gone, and the bank comes back to you, you're on the hook to refund that to the bank 100%. There's no recourse.
0: Now, it's either going to damage uh, – it could damage your credit rating. It could also – they could close down your bank account. They could freeze all anything you've got in there. It could And then that just starts to snowball because you have if, – if you have auto bill or anything else, bills you have due that you have to pay that now you can't pay because your bank's in the negative perhaps. So
1: the whole thing just can snowball and really, really just, you know, make for a lousy afternoon. Oh, more than that, a long time. Uh, there, An individual can even end up getting a, a number of misdemeanor charges against them. If they're, if they're charged with writing bad checks, even though it was not intentional, if they made a number of payments that have been going out there before they find out that that the check that deposited is bad, they can end up writing a lot of bad checks and be on the hook on that and even have criminal charges placed against them. So
0: yeah, it's something I hadn't even thought of at all. Now, Peter, what can we do to, like,
1: what are some red flags? What can we do to protect ourselves against somebody pulling one of these scams across us? Well, there's a number of things we can do. First of all, we want to make sure that when you're requesting uh, to send a money order, Make sure that you have the money, <laughs> that you you really have that money. Verify that you have that money in your account and that check is cleared that you've been given. Don't assume that because I make that deposit of the check and typically a bank, let's say you're depositing a check for a few thousand dollars, the bank might give you immediate credit for 300 That does not mean the check is good. That means basically the bank is trusting that the checks are probably good and they're advancing you that $300 they're advancing you. And if that check is bad, they're gonna come back and that money that they have advanced you is still gonna be money that you're gonna to have to repay to the bank. So you want to, first of all, you wanna make sure that the money that you've deposited, the check that you receive from the individual, is definitely good money if you apply for to be a mystery shopper okay you're expecting a, a possible response okay you still have to want to verify this the ploy or the story that they're giving you to make sure does that make sense uh, there are times when things might come to you that you have not even sought out these uh, one of the time opportunities that you receive that's like wow that is where did that come from? Well, that's really interesting. Let me let me pursue it. And once again, it might be playing toward uh, a particular motivation that we all have. It's money. It's an opportunity. It might be easy money. And so we say, well, what do we have to lose? Without really thinking it uh, well through, we go ahead and we, we take the bait and we actually go ahead and do it. So you want to be exceptionally cautious or suspicious, It might be a strong word, but suspicious of something that comes out of the blue to you. There's this incredible opportunity. And many times what scammers will do, they will play upon a time window. They will put pressure on you. This opportunity is only available for the first 100 people that respond. Or this opportunity is only available to you if you take advantage of it within the next hour or two hours. They give you a little bit of a time pressure there to make sure you bite. That basically is a lever That a scammer will use because they fear that if you take more time to think about it, you might come to the conclusion this might not be a good idea. But if we're not given much time, if we're pressured to make a quick decision, many times we're going to go for it right away. I even have a a related example, and it's uh, going into a home improvement store where someone even approached me in that store wearing a cap that had the logo of that store. They were not an employee of that store. But they were there, and they asked me if I would be interested in doing an energy audit in my house. I had nothing to lose; it's a free audit, and I said, "Well, okay, I'd be interested in it." I thought, "Well, it's, it's associated with the store, so it's, I got—I—I I, I trust it, right?" Well, they called me up right away. It was really quick. Called me up, made the appointment. They said it was important that both me and my wife be there, and right away that was kind of like a red flag. Both of us had to be there. Uh, they you think about these timeshare deals yeah, I mean, where yeah. they, there's high pressure. They want to make sure that both of you are there so that you can't stay later. Well, I want to think about it. I'm going to talk to my wife about it. No, if both of you are there, it makes it easier for them to put pressure on you and to try to sell you this. So they went ahead and did this audit in the house, and they came up with about three different things that we could benefit from, and at least what they said we could benefit from. And they gave us the price on everything, and there was a contract there, and they put a lot of pressure on us to sign it. It all sounded pretty good, kind of expensive, but it sounded pretty good. And they had basically a clause where we could, if we decided after we sign within three days, cancel the contract. So I made sure, that yeah, is that possible? And they said yes, and it was clearly in writing. So I thought, well, okay, I got three days that if I change my mind, I can go back and cancel this. So as soon as I signed it, but I was sort of uneasy about it, and what I first did is I got online, I did some research, and I found out that particular products that they were going to install, they were charging me about uh, 300% more for those items. Yeah, it was crazy. I could probably have gotten everything done for maybe a quarter of the price of what they were telling me that they were going to do it for. So I immediately decided, I'm gonna go and cancel this order. And so what happens, most people, they feel the comfort. Oh, I can cancel this. That means that, okay, if if I don't like it, I can go back in and cancel it. But what happens, most people don't do that. Once they later on figure out, whoa, I paid way too much for this. This is almost like a scam. Uh, it's too late. They haven't taken advantage of it. But I decided to go immediately. The it, This happened over the weekend. I went Monday morning to the offices of this business here in Orlando. And I walked in there and actually I wore a jacket that had my I'm a certified fraud examiner. So I right. had big letters there, my emblem, <laughs> certified fraud examiner. I said, I need to talk to the manager here about something I want to cancel an order. So they, they they walked me directly into the manager's office. I sat down and I said, this is what happened to me. I feel that there's a lack of transparency in this transaction and I want to cancel it. And, and I explained why he saw the logo on my on my jacket and no questions asked. No he least canceled that contract and I was on my way. But I mean, there's these, it's these things where they can come in, make a good pitch, leverage the name of the store, which I trusted, and, and leverage the, the fact that you can cancel this in three days. And so many people will sign on the dotted line. And if they don't think about it, if they don't verify, they can end up being scammed.
0: Now, one of the things you mentioned there was the fast response. Um, both, you got the call from the gentleman in Home Depot right after you talked to him. And then the other one was uh, your wife, when she applied for the uh, mystery shopper, she got a fast response. To me, that is a huge red flag. Nothing is that fast unless somebody, unless they're really trying to close something. I would like kind of cruising Craigslist and I'll find these jobs applications they have. And if it looks like a scam, I'll take the bait. I want to, you know, examine this whole routine that they've got. And bar none, 100% of the time if it is an Ill, if it's a scam, I'm getting a response within 30 seconds. I'll submit an application or I will hit it, you know, reply if you're interested and then it's an automated reply. Boom, it's back to me in no time that they're extending me the offer. All I have to do is fill out this little paperwork or or do something. And that is always to me a huge red flag that that speed, nothing Nothing legitimate works that fast.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And a big red flag for me is also when you're, you have that real pressure placed upon you, you need to buy it now, buy it now. When why, why can't you give it a few days to think about it, to make an educated decision without being, feel the pressure, you've got to do it now. Think about it. If you've got to do it now, it means they're trying to force you into buying something and not giving you time to be able to process whether or not this is the right decision to make. You were asking about some other red flags. If we do receive a query from somebody, maybe online, we see a lot of these days where these, a lot of them think of Nigerian scams, whether it's Nigerian or wherever it comes from. There are these things that present you with incredible opportunities. And when I get an email, and I get these every single day, many times, It'll, they'll be coming from somebody that has. It's a very strange name or some name I have no doesn't I won't recognize it, and it looks like it's sent to a lot of people because usually it's sent to undisclosed recipients. So I'm I'm not the only one that's receiving this, even though it's 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 sent out to my name. It's still being sent out to a whole bunch of other people at the same time. And reading through it, sometimes the grammar and sometimes even the spelling of different words are incorrect. And that will be a big red flag to me when I see that it may look like this could be coming in from someone who's writing this and English is not their first language. It's probably coming in somewhere from overseas.
0: And in today's day and age, anything you're doing electronically, if you have a typo, it has the little red squiggly underline. If you're actually making an offer to somebody you're going to make sure that you correct your spelling. It's one of the things I just can't fathom that, that they haven't caught on to this
1: yet. There's another flag. Uh, when a buyer, someone approaches you wanting to buy something that you're putting up on sale and they have no interest at all in really getting more information about that or seeing the product. They, they all of a sudden they want to buy it a sight unseen and they'll go ahead and, and uh, send you the money. I had a somewhat similar experience recently and, 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 uh, I put my I put a Camaro. I have a 2001 Camaro that I I was kind of toying with getting rid of, and I decided to put on Auto Trader, and I had no responses. It was I was getting frustrated after three four days, thinking man, no one. Maybe I'm asking too much for this car, and all of a sudden this this uh, email came in from this this guy that said he was an oceanographer. Uh, somewhere out in the high seas, and he wanted to buy this car for his father. His father's birthday was going to come up. He was going to be 50 years old. His father always loved Camaros, always wanted to have a Camaro, and so he really wanted to give this great surprise to his father for his upcoming birthday. So uh, he, he was interested in buying the vehicle, and he asked me just to take a few photographs of the car and send it to him, and immediately after I sent those photographs to him, he responded, I wanna buy it, I wanna buy it, and I'm gonna send you the money, I'm gonna pay the full price. He didn't even haggle for the price. He's gonna <laughs> send the full price, uh, I think it was $7,200, he's gonna send it to me via PayPal. And I'm thinking, I didn't have too much experience with PayPal, but I'm thinking, well, okay, that's like money in the bank, right? I'm thinking, he sends me the, the money via PayPal, and he said, once you get the PayPal, After I confirmed that I received that money, he will send somebody out to pick up the vehicle. So I thought, that sounds pretty safe, right? And then I got online. I wanted to verify, got online, and I found that that was a very common story. The same thing, oceanographer that wasn't able to come to actually see the car or the merchandise, but wanted to go ahead and buy it as a gift for some family member. And I also saw that actually having that money in PayPal does not mean any guarantee that that money is legit, that that's gonna stay there. That can be pulled out by by the buyer at any time at at their request. And and I decided when I saw that, not to even respond any further because it definitely was a a scam that I was not even aware of until I did some research. So I think uh, one of the things that, we get hit by new things every day. People are so creative. But most of the time, as long as you're not the very first person being hit with a very creative scam, many times there will be examples of that online where you can find out, yeah, that scam has been practiced and someone has reported it somewhere else. So one of the first things that I would recommend, if something seems a little bit different, go ahead and do some online research and you're going to find out. If it's a scam, you'll probably find out there's other examples of that same thing.
0: Yeah. Some of the variants you have on that very same one is the roommate scam where you say, hey, I have a room for rent or I want to split my apartment with somebody else. And you'll get someone who says, hey, I need a spot. I need an apartment in Orlando where you're at. Uh, I am a traveling model. is always what they say for some reason. And I'm only in town like once a month. I'm only going to need it really one weekend in a month. But I pay you the full price. I'm going to send you a check. Yes, it's for more. Uh, do me a favor just leave that in my room and just, or send me the keys or whatever they're gonna do completely fraudulent same thing horses you t- trying to sell a horse they'll get you there too it's <laughs> the same scam with the horse where they you know they don't care enough about they don't know enough about the horses but they'll send you the full asking price and and you mentioned PayPal payPal is a fantastic service however payPal always sides on the side of the buyer they have buyer protection which is fantastic it's phenomenal So all your guy had to do was wire you the money or PayPal it to you, send somebody over, probably himself, pick up the Camaro. And as soon as he (laughs) is out of sight with those keys, he's hitting PayPal and saying, didn't buy it. Wasn't as described. Wasn't, wasn't whatever the order. He didn't have to tell him why. He just says, I didn't want it. Want my refund.
1: PayPal refunds the money. You're out the money, you're out of car. I still have that car, actually, and it's for sale. So if any of the (laughs) listeners want to buy it, I'll be happy to sell it. But I want to verify that the money you sent to me is legit. Andy, you mentioned this thing about the rental scams. And yeah, the other side of it was I have some friends uh, in Miami, and they told me about a close friend of theirs who actually were looking for a rental property on Miami Beach. And, you know, properties there, rental properties are very. Uh, expensive South Beach, actually. And they happened to see this property that was like way under the market value or price for rental. And so they were very interested. They saw the pictures of the the rental, Uh, the unit looked beautiful. And so without verifying, they said, they thought once again, this is going fast. They were told by the person that was the owner, the the alleged owner, that this opportunity is going fast. So they didn't want to lose that opportunity. So right Mm. away, they sent in that whatever $1,200 deposit and they found out later, When they were trying to go there, verify it, it was too late. Their deposit was gone, and they were without an apartment.
0: Oh, man, that's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. So you have to be vigilant at all times. If something does seem too good to be true, it probably is. That's an old saying, but it holds true. And always be aware if someone's asking you for any kind of sensitive information. If they want to know your bank account information, if they want to know anything about you, uh, you already mentioned the fact, like, "Hey, I want you, you and your wife there," so no, to take away that that out. So if anything doesn't seem just normal,
1: just beware and be cautious of that. Well, one of these things these days too is that so much of our information is out there for a scammer. If he really wants to target a specific individual, not just a, a blankets, you know, send out a whole bunch of uh, potential scams to a lot of different people, they can actually easily target you because of the information that's online, whether through social media or a lot of these data breaches that have happened over the last few years at different institutions, whether they're retail, whether they're credit card, uh, even the infamous uh, OPM, Office of Personnel Management, where there's upwards of 20 million people that have had their information breached and very, very detailed information, not just, you know, your name, maybe your email, but we're talking about almost every single data point that exists uh, on you that maybe was acquired by the federal government when you applied for a position or a security clearance. Uh, A lot of the Medicare, I'm sorry, medical companies, insurance company, medical Assistance companies have had their data centers breached, and there's a lot of information. Think about if you're, you have insurance and you go to the doctor, what kind of information does the doctor have on you? When you fill out that initial form, you're filling out your name, your address, your employer's name, your telephone number, emergency contact information, your payment, your credit card information, your Social Security, everything's there. And with these breaches, having a scammer having that information, they can really tailor a scam to make it sound like, Wow. That is an opportunity that just fits in perfectly with with what I'm pursuing or my lifestyle. So they can more and more begin to tailor tailor the schemes to better bait the particular individual to take that to take the bait and to, and to accept that scam.
0: Yeah, one of the ones they're using these days, which we'll dive into in episode number two, is Facebook's uh, scamming situation where they are cloning somebody else's profile, one of your friends, sending you a new friend request. You look at that profile, it's your friend's profile. It looks just like it. So you say, Well, something's gone, I'll accept it. Then they instantly start chatting with you. And they'll say something along the lines of, Hey, I have a new phone number or I have a my private text line. I need to send you some information. I don't have your phone number on me. Can you give it to me? And before you before you think about it, you're like, Oh yeah, something's going on. Something okay. And you give them your phone number. Now they're hitting your your phone, asking you for money, doing something else. And before you know it, it's gone. But we will dive into that one. Next week, but always, folks. You always have to be vigilant, be aware. If something sounds too good to be true, it is. And always, always take your time in making decisions. What I always say that kind of gets me out of a lot of these uh, situations is I tell people I need to consult with my attorney, and they're not available at the moment. So it doesn't matter what my wife or spouse or anybody else says. I have to want to run it by my attorney to make sure everything looks legit, and that
1: usually uh, stops things in their tracks. That's a very good ploy, Andy, and I strongly endorse it. I actually use that from time to time as well, and that usually <laughs> shuts them down. If they're if they're legitimate, they'll accept it. You know, they have no problem with you verifying and making sure you're comfortable. And if they are not legitimate, yeah, they have a problem with that, and they're probably going to run hightail it away.
0: You know, something that doesn't need to hightail it away are skimmers. You don't need to have a person present for these things. So these are pieces of hardware that will sit right on top of a credit card slider where you slide in your credit card like at a gas station, a convenience store, wherever you use your credit card. And as soon as you run your credit card through it, sure, your transaction completes as normal. You get your gas, you get your whatever you bought at the convenience store. But information that is on your magnetic stripe is now sent away to somebody else and they are collecting that data.
1: Actually, the thieves, then, what they do is they clone. They clone that credit card or they clone that debit card. And if it's a debit card, they can drain every single penny that's in your bank account, and you have no recourse for that, really. For the credit card, they can just start racking up all kinds of charges, and depending on the type of software that your credit card company has if they're able to see that there's some anomalies here and shut that down real quickly that's great but sometimes there might be some tremendous charges on there that will have to be worked out and and fortunately with a credit card you'll usually have some recourse with the bank maybe not have any liability or maybe very small liability assuming that you haven't been negligent uh, this this is becoming a growing trend and we hear about this every day and it's so easy for the technology basically it is available out there. It's so easy for the thieves to buy, uh, to buy them the tools to do the skimming. It's just off the shelf and, and they can, with very little experience, they can buy it and deploy it.
0: The plans for making them are widely available online and you can literally go down to any hardware store, or electronic store combination of those two and get exactly what you need uh, to, to pull these things off. I'm always very vigilant at gas stations, particularly gas stations, when I go to use my card. I prefer, now I even though now I have a chip in my card, I'm still, they can still get information off of it. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't
1: tell me it's a foolproof system yet. Well, that's funny, the, the chip you mentioned to me, I lived in Europe about, ooh, 12 years ago, and I remember back then that throughout Europe they already had the chip in the card. So that technology for the chip took, I mean, it's been around for a long time and it's been in use, but it only came here to America only in the last few years. And even in some of the retailers, you'll find that, oh, we don't yet accept the chip. And basically, it's a, they eventually will, but it, it's a big conversion for them to be able to change their software and their hardware to be able to use the chip to, be in the, to accept payments by chip. Uh, but those, that technology has been around for ages.
0: One of my biggest no-no's that I always do, and and it hurts because uh, there's only one exception that I have to this rule, I don't like losing possession of my debit card. So when I go to the convenience store where the person wants to hold my credit card, it's like, no, no, I need, to, I need to swipe that over here. And I'll tell them, most of the time, they'll just move the thing around the counter from behind the counter, hand it to me, let me swipe it. The exception that I haven't really found a way around it yet is uh, restaurants you tend to be out of your possession with that card you hand it to the waiter or waitress they take your card away you don't know have any idea what's happening to that card when it's not you know in your possession anymore it comes back yeah you paid for your meal you sign you go who knows how long down the road if they had you know if there's a skimmer there or someone skimmed that information uh, off your card now your card is cloned and now charges start coming in
1: at least, though, with credit cards, you have the opportunity. If you're vigilant, you can you can monitor your own statements, and I would I would recommend doing that on a regular basis because a lot of the credit card companies they have their own software that will look for these anomalies. But the more you can keep track of what's going on, and if there's anything that doesn't look quite right, you can verify that and and contact the bank immediately if it looks like there's there's charges. Uh, what's even more of concern to me with this whole Era of identity theft is if your credit card is cloned, and you can notify the bank, or the bank can shut it down. You're not liable for those charges. But if someone were to take out credit in your name, then you have very little recourse. Uh, If there could be a a big problem with trying to clean up your credit record when all of a sudden they've taken uh, taken out various types of credit in your name, and so what I did last, uh, actually last week is there is you you can freeze your credit. There's three different credit bureaus, as you're aware of, and it's very simple to do, and I would recommend it if you're not uh, looking to take out new credit within the next couple of days. You can freeze the credit you pay about, depending on which state you're living in. uh, Each state's a little bit different, but typically we're in the state of Florida here, and here in the state of Florida, it's basically $10 uh, to uh, freeze your credit And if you're married, of course, you'd probably want to do it for yourself as well as your spouse. And anytime that you're looking to open new credit, maybe buy a new car, maybe a mortgage, all you have to do is find out what credit bureau the lender is going to look at to to look at your credit score and your credit history and then just uh, temporarily lift the freeze on that card. It's a it's a bit of a, a safeguard, especially with uh, individuals who might be concerned about identity theft and taking out credit in their name. And so I think we need to look at these type of uh, 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 solutions and be much more aware of what's going on. But yeah, the, the, uh, the, the cloning of credit cards is a big, big problem. And we need to be aware of that and see what we can do to prevent that and be aware of different scams where people might be able to get that credit card in their possession and utilize it. One of the ones that's hitting the
0: streets, actually your front door right now, uh, just happened to a friend of mine. And that is, a received a phone call, which out of the blue, there's your first red flag that was missed. And the caller said, hey, congratulations, uh, one of your friends has bought you this nice wine box or wine gift box. And we have our courier out on the road right now, headed to your location, just wanted to make sure that you were home so that when uh, when you when, when he got there, he wasn't leaving this out on the front porch. And my friend said, well, yeah, I'm home. But first red flag he had was he's not a wine drinker. So who's going to be sending him wine? The caller could not answer that question. Well, I'm sorry I don't have that information, but uh, it is on the way there. Few minutes later, the guy shows up. So there's your second red flag, the amount of time it took for it. Gets, pizza takes a half hour to 45 minutes to get to your house. Wine's going to take a lot longer than that, I would assume. So the gentleman shows up, says, hey, I've got your your, your gift box here of wine. I just need a credit card uh, to validate your age. So this was the third red flag. Number one, you're losing possession of a card. And credit cards aren't used to validate age, at least not in this country. So that's not going to tell somebody's of age, 21 or older, uh, to be able to drink. In order to, you know, the credit card's not going to give them that information. So at this point, there were enough red flags from a buddy to say, you know what, you can't tell me who the gift is from. You showed up unannounced and now you're asking for my credit card. I don't think I'm going to comply with the rest of this. Uh, I'm going to refuse the gift and have a nice day. However, had he gone through with it, that person is holding a portable skimmer in their hands that looks like something that's going to, you know, will swipe it. It'll come back with beeps and boops or who knows whatever. You go, all right, you are of age. Obviously looking at the person, this guy, you can tell he's of age. So that would be a very easy uh, mark. So to come in and go, all right, now that person just walked away for a bottle or a box of probably really cheap wine, just walked away with your credit card information. And who knows what they're going to do at that point in time. Now they have your name, they have your address, they have a credit card of your information or a copy of it. It's all all the fixings there for identity theft right there, right at your front door. So you don't even have to be online or be anywhere that might, you know,
1: avail avail the scammers to you. It's coming to your front door. What's even more scary, there is technology out there where the skimmers don't even have to have possession of your card. If they get close enough in proximity to your card, they can lift that information off the off of that card. So what some people What's becoming a little bit more known and what people start to use are these protective devices uh, like, like pouches where they can put their sensitive credit cards into when they carry them. I can't remember the name offhand. It's RDIF. It's a technology that basically uh, prevents a- anybody to be able to penetrate that material to actually be able to read, read those cards and that provides a bit of a safeguard. You mentioned that. I happen to have one. Oh, <laughs> have you do? Oh, the, yeah. I have the
0: aluminum wallet one that uh, it is, you're supposed to put all your credit cards in the aluminum wallet, and that protects it from being the, the RFID scans. It prevents them from going in there. There are much, this one's kind of a bulky one. There are nicer ones out there that are more
1: business-centric. Well, this is empty, so you're not using <laughs> it. So why uh, Because why do I only, you have it? I only take it with
0: <laughs> me to when I go
1: places. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to hand you my credit cards. I mean, come
0: on, (laughs) Peter. It wasn't empty. Wait a minute. I had four credit cards. What? (laughs) Yeah, these things are great. They're a little bulky, uh, but they do do a good job. I guess they do a good job. I have no way to, to test this that it does a good job, or not just, I'm trusting that it does a good job.
1: Actually, I just came from a conference last week in Nashville, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and they gave us, a, everybody who attended, they gave us a really cool backpack, and it actually had a label there saying that uh, it had that particular material in, in the in the design, and so that it would protect anything you had inside from, from anything being uh, tried, attempted to be skimmed. Wow, that's cool.
0: And you know it's legit if it came from that market, from that conference. (laughs) What are some tips you can give people to kind of help them prevent their credit card or debit cards from being lifted or stolen or duplicated?
1: Well, first of all, I would not give my credit card or debit card freely to anybody unless they had a really legitimate reason. You trusted that this this person was not going to do something with that card, especially I would not give it to someone who just comes to the door unannounced. I'm probably the the most rude person on the block because I usually don't answer the door if anybody rings the bell or knocks on the door unannounced. Um, My wife usually feels a little bit bad about that. She might take a look out the window, but typically we don't go to the door because there's a lot of other individuals that were going to come and they they might be trying to sell you legitimate services. I'm not saying that they're all scammers, but a lot of times there's people out there trying to sell Different, you know, home improvement services or lawn care services or someone that's coming from some charitable organization. And there's we'll probably talk about at a future date about charity scams, but there's a lot of scams going out there uh, and they take advantage of your tendency to want to be able to help other people or help other causes. And if you see some youngster there that's asking for money to promote their group because they're going to organize a trip and and help their school or help their sports team, you naturally have this tendency to want to help them, uh, but... And I'm not saying that these are all scammers. By far, I'm not saying that at all. But you want to try to verify as much as possible. If someone comes to the, to the door offering something, I'm going to look for what kind of verification, what can you show me that you have to verify who you are, who you say you are and, and what your organization is about. And I typically, I will not give that a credit card out to anybody anyways. If I want to give something, I will give, probably I'll give it in cash. And that way I don't have to worry about something being done nefariously with my my credit card. Um, Another thing is that you mentioned earlier, Andy, when someone says they want to see the credit card for verification, it's okay if someone wants to see your driver's license for verification. And driver's license is the principal document for for verification, but not your credit card. That's not a reason. A credit card is actually to charge you for a one-time purchase or potentially multiple purchases, uh, legitimately or illegitimately. Especially if someone is coming to the door and offering you something, saying that it's a gift from somebody. That's rather unusual that you would have to pay anything for receipt of a gift. A gift is a gift that's imparted upon you, and if they're asking you to, to, to sign something and pay, make a payment because there was some transaction that needs to be, be uh, satisfied before they can pass that gift to you, Say, I would say, say no thank you and send it back. Do not accept that.
0: Years ago, I had a situation happen to me, and I'm talking, man, 30 plus odd years ago now, where I had uh, received, someone walked into a store I was working at, and they said, hey, uh, congratulations, we're just stopping in, um, you're completely randomly selected, but you have won this Nikon camera kit, and it was a beautiful camera kit, the picture of it was anyhow, and he said, all you need to do, we did you know, to fill out this paperwork, and you just have to cover shipping. And shipping for this is going to be about fifty bucks. And I was looking at them like, so I won this camera, this about a five hundred dollar camera rig that, they're, that they had all put together, and it's going to cost me fifty dollars to have it shipped to me, and I've won it. They said yes, and I said fantastic. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, I'm not paying fifty bucks to win something. That's not winning. And I said if it's winning and you're you're able to give away a five hundred dollar camera set, you can cover the fifty bucks in shipping. I think. And that was a young me making that decision. I was kind of, you know, future me is very proud of young me, but so many people are enticed by that. Oh, I just get this. And now there's this little bit of fee you have to take care of. And it's like, well, okay. And then you think, you know, next thing you know, out goes your card.
1: Well, it's a very good point. And it's not necessarily only the 50 bucks or the money that you're, you're sending in to receive something, there are times when scammers will entice you with something that's free. And it could be anything, maybe a, a discount coupons for something, or maybe it's a free subscription due to some sort of publication in exchange for all they want you to do is open an online account. Mm. They will get you to create a username and password and think about how many different online accounts that you have that a typical person will have. I looked the other day. I think I had like 35 to 40. So I ask you, do you are you the individual that creates for all 40 online accounts a different username and password? Probably not. We, unfortunately are limited in our capacity, mental capacity, to remember 40 different username and passwords. So we have a tendency maybe to create one that might be, we think, more or less strong, but we'll probably use that across multiple platforms. And so what a social engineer or a scammer might try to do then, offer you something free and what the, what's value to them is the information that they're going to be acquiring. You're setting up a username and password, and you're probably going to be using a username and password that you're using across a multiple different accounts. And once they get that username and password, they can, they can use that information to maybe get into some of your other, other online accounts, and some of them might be financial institutions where they can really take you to the cleaners.
0: I had something like that very similar happen to me about two weeks ago. And I was able to track them down. They, I, Thankfully, I, I wasn't using the same username and password, and I used two-factor authentication with my Gmail, and they were attempting to log into my Gmail accounts. So Gmail was very quick to work with me, and we realized within about 30 minutes what had happened. And it was for a free service. Like you said, it was a trial service. I canceled the trial service, because so I realized that it wasn't at all what they had said it was, and then... It was like, man, I wonder what's gonna happen now. And sure enough, they're trying to hit my Gmail. Luckily I use a completely different username and password though, so good points all around right there. You know, one place that is completely secure is Amazon. Although they have had some issues in the past, they're really good at fixing anything that does come up, especially for shopping. And we all love shopping on Amazon. We've got the Amazon Prime, it just shows up within a day. Sometimes, like here in Orlando, you can get stuff on the same day. And you can do us a favor here at Metascam. If you visit metascam.com forward slash Amazon, that's going to take you right on over to Amazon's website. Everything works 100% the same way. You pay the same amount. You have the same trusted service. It is Amazon. The only difference is a little bit of what you spend comes back our way. And that's just a way of Amazon thanking us for sending you their way to shop. So if you want to support us, Metascam.com forward slash Amazon will do that. And we thank you in advance for that support. Now, Peter, you have the wonderful distinction of doing this stuff full time. So could you tell us a little bit about what it is that your company offers?
1: Well, we offer a variety of security asset protection services to corporate clients as well as high net worth individuals. That includes back, conducting background investigations, due diligence, uh, mitigation support. But we also provide services if someone is looking to enter a relationship, a business relationship with somebody, that we can really uh, help them verify whether or not uh, that person does really exist, their business exists. And so if they're looking to enter, enter business, we can help them. If they feel that they've been approached and they've been scammed or taken advantage of, we can also try to help them. So I would recommend anybody who has any questions or interests, they can contact us, Strategic Risk Management. My phone number is 407-475-0154, or you just reach out to me via email, p-w-a-r-m-k-a at astrategyforrisk.com. And we'll
0: have all of that in the show notes just so you don't have to you know, stop what you're doing right now to write that down. You can always visit Metascam.com, and we'll have uh, Peter's contact information right up th- there for you. And remember, folks, you are not out there alone. You have to do your best to educate yourself against possible scams. Talk to your friends. Talk to your neighbors. See what they're doing. See how you can work together. Because together we can make a difference. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Until next time,
1: this has been Andy. And this is Peter for Metascam.com.
0: Visit www.metascam.com for show information, archives, and more. Want to get in touch? Follow us on Twitter at MetascamShow or email us at Hello at Metascam.com. This podcast is part of the EIP Network.